This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, we are going to talk about some of the innovations and approaches in strategic management and what I will refer to as meeting customers where they are. And to talk to me this week, I am pleased to welcome Peter Lacey. Peter is the Commissioner of the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in the state of Indiana. Peter, welcome to your first appearance on the Amphicast. Well, thank you, Ian. I have been a uh, longtime listener. <laughs> the old longtime listener, first-time caller. Well, we're <laughs> glad to have you here. Uh, also really glad to do this in person, which I'm getting to do more and more often. And I think our listeners might even get a kick out of knowing we are, I'm actually in Indiana with you, my first visit to Indiana, because we happen to be here this week for the Region 3 conference. Well, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun to think that we have the distinction of, I think, bookending the two big conferences around COVID. Yes. We uh, had our Region 3 conference in 2019 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and then the whole world shut down as we all know it. And uh, it's exciting to think Region 3 is able to have the first in-person conference here in Indiana yeah, this week. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's an interesting distinction. Who would have, who would have thought? But here, here we are. And I think, you know, I think the overwhelming response for people is just so excited to be together again. Absolutely. And I think we've had a, a great conference so far of just being able to share ideas. And, and as we all talk about the networking, uh, both internally within jurisdictions, as well as with our sponsors and our vendors, yeah. uh, is critical to the face-to-face opportunities. Absolutely. So let's talk about sharing ideas and some ideas that you're working here on in Indiana. I said at the outset, this idea of meeting customers where they are. We've had a lot of conversations and a lot of guests on this podcast talking about, in large part, because of the pandemic, the acceleration of changing how DMVs are delivering service to customers and essentially getting to them where they are. You've done something a little bit different in Indiana that you've stepped back and taken a holistic view of that strategy of where are our customers, how are we serving them, and how do we have to change not just putting a service online or putting something in a kiosk, but something a little, again, I'll use the word holistic in terms of how you are delivering your services. So um, that's a little bit of a tee up, but why don't you start, start us off and let's just see where this goes. Sure. Um, when I, I took over being commissioner of the BMV in 2017, the senior staff and I sat down and, and created four pillars of, of how we do what we do. And what you talk about is really around our first pillar, which is engage customers. And that really is what you just said. We want to be where our customers want to be. And so we really started data-driven data gathering to say, where are our customers? And we have put a lot of time and energy into being able to understand how do our customers do business with us? Are they going into a branch? Are they going online? Are they using mail? We also have a 24-hour, uh, seven-day-a-week kiosk. 
which medium are they trying to use? And we've been able to use that data to challenge where we are making investments and mm-hmm. where we're applying our resources. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, the most visual uh, in the in the state is we've we we continue to rationalize how many branches we have and where are they located and where and what's the staffing in one branch to another mm-hmm. branch and using data has helped us understand which are the branches that that are really performing and and doing the transactions that we would expect a branch to do and which ones have customers gone to a different medium mm. and online and in person is not nearly as critical as it used to be. Mm. So you you talk about this being a data-driven course you took and data-driven decision-making. Let's dive a little bit deeper because I think that's a phrase that's thrown around an awful lot, right? We're going to make data-driven decisions. It's become a little buzzword. So for you in Indiana, um, did you already have the data and you had to look at it or did you have to to set up new processes to collect the data you wanted to see? Um, I think it was really, and it's and it's interesting. I said that word, and and we've tried to change the vernacular on that in Indiana in saying it's data informed. Mm. Uh, data is one of the decision criteria that we make when we make decisions, not the only one. But um, the data was there. It's just how do you use, how do you package it and look mm-hmm. at it uh, in general? Because we can see the number of transactions that are done by a branch. We can break that down to number of transactions done by a CSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see the number of transactions done by a kiosk or done online. Where I think we took it a step lower is that we, we partnered with the geo people to start saying, can we break that data down to say from a zip code, mm-hmm. how many people in the 46220 zip code, those people who live there, where do they do their transaction? Mm-hmm. So we now look at it from not only internally, where are people doing their business, but externally being able to look at the people and say where they go. And I think in our branch in our branch footprint standpoint, that has been critical to say when uh, 80% of the residents in a certain market do not use the branch, is the value of that branch still there hmm. uh, in balance with the cost of that branch? And I think when, when I think about the pandemic, we saw a 5% increase in online transactions actions. We want to retain those people mm-hmm. who, during the pandemic and didn't want to go outside, uh, wanted to use online. Mm-hmm. What do we do to build out online? Yeah. So it is by channel. We're looking at data and saying, how do we make investments and and where do we steer the resources that we have? So as you start to look at the data, what did it start to to tell you? What what came out of that that before you actually made the decision to do something else online, like you said, or shift resources in the branches, what would you say was that the first lesson of looking at those analytics the, the first time through? I think the... Uh, I- I think the amazing thing is, is that your gut isn't as good as the data ah, uh, that, that we okay. had. We had a uh, long timers in the agency who said this branch has got to be here or this market will never use a kiosk or this market is not a tech savvy Internet mm-hmm. market. But then when you start looking at the data and it's absolutely contrary to what people's guts were telling yep. them or their history history was telling yeah. them, it, I think it, it's showing the evolution or the migration of of our of our communities to different mediums. Mm-hmm. So uh, a branch that was in a certain location uh, may, 
and was very busy 20 years ago isn't as busy today. Or a rural market where we don't think people use internet is actually over 60% online renewals. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I think that data was able to really put some evidence to what decisions we were thinking about making Mm -hmm, in a market. mm -hmm. And that's where I go back to that data informed. It's one one piece of the bigger puzzle that we're, we're using when we're deciding where those resources go. What, what are the other pieces? So you've got your gut, you've got data. You have fill in there's, you know, those are kind of the two ends of the spectrum, right? What I just feel instinctively and what the numbers tell me. And then there's probably all these other pieces in between. I think there's, I think there's emerging technologies and emerging opportunities. Um, you know, one of the, the one transactions that we're required to do in a branch today is an address change hmm. because with Real ID and with credential programming, you need two pieces of, of mm-hmm. mail mm-hmm. to be able to change that. And we need to scan that in. Well, I think most of us now deposit our check at home right. using a camera yes. or you're able to upload off your computer. Well, that emerging technology of being able to upload or being able to process mm-hmm. a scanned picture, can we, and, and we're investigating, can we create opportunities to add transactions to online mm-hmm. um, or to add transactions to a kiosk because our kiosk vendor uh, is telling us they've got the opportunity to put a scanner into the kiosk and so then you're able to take tra- take transactions out of the branch because the person can do it where they want to do it mm-hmm. they can do it online or they can do it at home the benefit to that as we always say we are we want to be where our customers are going to be we will always have branches because there are, there are some customers who that's how they prefer right. to do business. But if I can get 10% of our customers out of a branch, the 90% who go to the branch will have a much better transaction yeah, because there's less people. Yeah, yeah. So what were some of the series of ideas that came out of looking at this data? You said, okay, well, let's if we're going to make half a dozen changes or more or less, what was some of the, what was that brainstorming like? Well, I don't even want to get into what you actually did yet, but I kind of want to peel back the curtain a bit. You got that executive team back together and you said, hey, folks, this is, this is what the data is telling us. Some of those folks that have been there a long time go, wow, that's surprising. Not what my gut thought, though maybe they were not as <laughs> accepting as, <laughs> as my example is. How does that brainstorm happen on an executive team like yours? I think you, I think, I think we have sat down and, and really looked at, um, what are some of the guiding principles around making those decisions? Mm. And, and for example, for us, we have said uh, uh, that one of our, our mantras is that we want to have the same experience everywhere you go. Mm. Um, and, and by that, I mean in like a, in a, in an electronic world, uh, if we add, if we add something to mybmv.com, we want it also in the kiosk so that if you don't go into a branch, we're agnostic to whether you use a kiosk or whether you go online. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that, that affects the prioritization uh, of saying which projects can we 100% do in both mediums in which projects really work well in my BMV, Mm -hmm. but don't work well in a kiosk because we have that operating bias to say that we want to make sure that we offer the same experience um, at a kiosk or online. Mm -hmm. And you feel like that's happening successfully, or are you finding that there's just limitations of the different technologies that it has that it can't always be the same experience? Um, I think that it, I think to answer your question in reverse, there are clearly technologies 
online versus in a kiosk where the two could be very different. Mm -hmm. But I think that operating bias that we want the two to be the same uh, helps us prioritize the order in which we're attacking things so that we're doing the things that keep that keep us center to that idea that online and kiosk have the similar uh, opportunity. Yeah. And now in terms of the the most traditional service delivery, the in-person branch visit, how did this data change the way Indiana looked at the traditional delivery in a, in a branch office? You know, clearly, obviously, most recently with the 2020 census, we're getting much better data about where people are mm-hmm. and where people are migrating. Uh, in Indiana, we, we have 128 branches uh, scattered across uh, 92 counties. And so you start saying, are we where the people are? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the data of knowing where people are and what mediums they do have us looking at, should we move a branch? Should Do we even need a branch? Do we need another branch? And so I think that data has us looking at that very traditional model and saying, um, are we are we in the right places? Mm-hmm. And did you, did you discover that where there were shifts, was it strictly based on population or did you see other trends that said, well, the people are there. You used this example before, you know, the people are there in a zip code, but they're not going to the branch or was it a little more straightforward said well of course there's less traffic there because less people live there well i think i think it it's a little bit of both i mean we are um we clearly have seen uh, shifts in, in population, so you just have, mm-hmm. have, have seen 50% less people in a certain market, so you're saying, what size branch do you need? Could you make it a different size branch? But the other thing that, that has happened in Indiana in the last uh, few years is that you, know, you can go into any Indiana BMV to transact your business. You don't need to go. There was a time in Indiana that you had to go to a branch within the county that you lived in. Uh- and we oh, okay. and Indiana shifted that, and so one of the data points that we see is that a branch uh, may be doing uh, one and a half to two times the volume for the people that live there, but people are driving there to go to work um, uh-huh. or to shop, and while they're there to work or to shop, they're working they're with the BMV. Yes. So we're we're understanding that's where earlier when I talked about we're looking at the data from the branch side of how many transactions are they doing, but also looking at it from the resident side and where are they doing their transactions. We've seen branches that are are doing more business than what we would think their population should say Mm -hmm. they need to do, but they're the county seat. And so people are moving, are, are driving there to do business. And when they do their, when they're there to do their business, they're also going to the Indiana. Gotcha. And are those same people where they're, they're, are branch options closer to their home zip code, but they're clearly like you say, I'm gonna I'm gonna go spend the day and deal with I gotta deal with this with the county and I gotta deal with this property tax thing and there might be a store there that I wanna go to and I'll there's a BMV there, so I'll get that taken care of that day as opposed to the one that's two miles from my house. Correct. People are yeah. passing their local neighborhood BMV and doing their business in a metropolitan BMV because of either work or shopping or some other uh, activity that's driving their behavior. And so have you now, have you matured through the point where now you're 
coming up with some action proposals or maybe have taken action to say, well, you know, people live there, but they're not using that local BMV. So maybe we have to get some of those resources into the big metropolitan ones and, and vice versa. Have you moved far enough along in that process yet? I think I think we are there on on uh, at least three out of the f- four mediums. Mail, uh, mail seems to be what it is, and it seems to be pretty steady. We don't see a, a, a rise or a real fall in mail. Seems like the population that likes to mail and their registrations are doing that. You didn't but, see an increase in mail during the pan- pandemic that stayed stable as well? That stayed stable as well. Okay. It was really online and kiosk during the... Uh, that popped up. That popped up because okay. a kiosk being 24-7, I could wait in my car till nobody's there and yeah. go in and do my transaction when I'm alone um, or online was is where we saw the largest pop during and the twenty the twenty four seven kiosks are they as geographically dispersed as uh, branch offices, or the, the, I imagine there's less of them right now. Yeah, we currently have 41 uh, compared to 128, uh, so clearly yeah. have less of them. Um, we have, they are geographically dispersed. We have them from the the top of the state to the bottom. Uh, I don't think I think as I think about have we started action items. I think we see that as an opportunity growth to say we need more of them. Mm. Uh, we have we have five of them that are not in a. Indiana BMV branch office there in a Kroger mm-hmm. and and we're we're seeing why do you make a trip just to the BMV especially for a 24-hour kiosk is there an opportunity to put a 24-hour kiosk where you're already going yeah. Target Meyer Kroger wow. those type of places so I think we have a we have action plans around our kiosk to say how do we grow that number uh, I'm excited that this year we are uh, we are going to break over 800,000 transactions on our kiosk Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was a, a benchmark we set that we thought was uh, unattainable, especially in a COVID year. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that our, our our population is going there is exciting. In the um, online world, uh, we've realized and it's seen that there's a desire from the public who use Amazon and and other online retailers. They expect the BMV to same have that yeah. similar retail feel, sure. and so we are drafting an RFP to overhaul uh, our entire My BMV to reduce clicks, update uh, flow, make it easier and simpler to use mm. because we believe we can drive traffic through that. And then, as you point out, we are looking at where is the population and where are branches. And and we do have an active plan of moving certain branches to make them bigger Mm. so that they can handle more more traffic, Mm -hmm. moving some branches, making them a little bit smaller because they're doing volume, but not nearly the volume that they were. And we can save uh, some expenses by moving to a smaller branches. And we are looking, making the tough decision that that certain branches uh, can be the business in certain branches can be absorbed Mm. by surrounding branches. um, Because as I said, we have 128 out of 92 branches. There's a number of metropolitan areas where we have significant number of branches but maybe not the volume as as mm-hmm. the world has gone electronic yeah and so that's like you said the the tough decision to have to do that um with potentially you know we won't say closing a branch office like you say maybe it's more of a merger of branch offices um i imagine that's also an opportunity to combine those resources because you're not, you know, what's interesting to me, but maybe, maybe it's the word consolidation or something else. It's, you're not looking to downsize the overall operation. You're looking to adjust 
where folks sit to deliver to where folks are coming in. Maybe I'm reading too much into what you're saying. No, no, no. I appreciate you you accentuating the point that that I uh, would want to make is this is not a, a, a human capital downsizing. Right. This is brick and mortar and, and some of the IT costs and some of the expenses just to functionally operate right. um, the number of locations. It, you know, in every in every location where we're where we are reducing or absorbing a location, those employees are moving to another branch right. so that we can because we expect the customers that walked into the old branch to move, move. to the branch. Yeah. And so we need to, if we want to maintain our service levels, because I think that's another data point that is critical to what we're looking at, especially in the in-branch uh, world, is can we maintain our service levels? Yeah. Uh, we are very proud of, of the experience um, where where you can get in and out of the BMV and the time that you can get in and out of the BMV. If we don't move people with it, and but volume moves with it, that we won't be right. able to maintain those those service levels. Yeah, and it sounds like you know I admittedly don't know my Indiana geography all that well, but I imagine with 128 branches, you've got some that really aren't that far away from each other. Correct. I, we have uh, up in the northwest part of the state near. Uh, Near Chicago, we have three on the same street, oh, less wow. <laughs> l- less than about 12 miles from the first one to the last one with one in between. Um, so we do think that there's opportunities with just uh, how transient people are, that you, you have abilities to uh, make that a larger branch that can handle more volume, and we can do that at, at a lesser uh, operating cost mm-hmm. than maintaining three branches. And has it taken much to get um, support behind some of these strategies, whether it's from the leadership in the governor's office, the state house, or even employees? You know, what, what's been, if any, challenges to, to get folks behind that strategy? I, I, think, we, I think we at the Indiana BMV have, uh, have developed a really good uh, process of, of making sure that we're engaging stakeholders as we go through that process. As you mentioned, um, that in, involves the governor's office and making sure that, that uh, things make sense to them and they understand the business rationale for it. We definitely engage the General Assembly uh, on both the House and the Senate uh, of the market that we're looking mm-hmm. to do something in. Um, and then that has yielded additional conversations where we're reaching out to neighborhood associations and community associations in the market uh, before before we even have an open meeting. And mm-hmm. then we, we never make one of these moves without having an open meeting where we are mm-hmm. actively uh, soliciting uh, comment from the local uh, residents of the market that we're going to affect. That's great. Now, you mentioned at the outset this was, you know, almost one of four pillars. And I don't know that it gave you an opportunity to tell us what those other pillars are. Well, I, I think, you know, and these are... The, these are the four things that I would, I would articulate that the that we look at every time we make a decision. So it starts with our customers, and we need to engage our customers and be where they want to be. You know, in this business, you don't do it without sustainable systems. So that is our second mm-hmm. pillar, where we're investing in technology to make sure that we can we can be accurate and timely in in the transactions that we do. Uh, product innovation is our is our third pillar. Uh, you know, if I look backwards, uh, central issuance of credentials and 
and central issuance of registrations and license plates are things that Indiana adopted in the past. I look forward and say, you know, E-Lean is on our board, mm. E-Title is on our board, Mobile Driver's License is on our board, um, all buzz topics yeah. uh, that, are, that we spend <laughs> a lot of time talking about. But we really believe we, got, we need to embrace product innovation and the products that we offer uh, to customers. But then finally, I think the most, the heart blood of uh, the Indiana BMV is our employees, so employee investment. And, and, and that's more than dollars, but it's what are mm-hmm. you doing culturally to make sure that your employees feel that they're supported, they have the learning and development tools around them and the training around them and the, and the support of information and resources to be successful in their job. Mm-hmm. So those are the four, four real areas that we focus on in making decisions. And, and that last one, because I think, you know, especially right now where uh, re- retention and recruitment and maintaining a strong workforce is um, so vitally important and I think an increasing challenge for many of our members coming out of the pandemic. Has this exercise in looking at data relating to customers, has it translated into recognizing investments you have to make to sustain the culture, provide training, cross training? What's been the connectivity there? You know, I think one of the one of the biggest things that some of this data came out is that we had we had management in our branches doing transactions. Um, because of, of certain service level agreements, certain pressures of, of maintaining customer service. And, and ultimately, we, we said, that's not the purpose of management. Mm. The purpose of management is not to do the transaction. The purpose of management is to be the leaders uh, for that front line and to be able to support that front line. We knew then that we needed to make an investment to make sure we had enough frontline workers so that our management wasn't dragged down mm-hmm. into the front line. Um, and, and so we made the headcount uh, investments and the headcount budgeting investments to say that we want we want to invest in our leadership in our branches to say we want you supporting and coaching and helping the front line, mm. not doing, doing the work, work. Yeah. at the front line because while doing the work helps today, uh, coaching and counseling a CSR helps tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you you kind of went into this with an idea, these goals, and you've learned as you went. If another jurisdiction was looking at going down a path similar to what you have done, some of the top lessons you've learned or something that you wish someone had told you in advance that if you're going to do this, keep this in mind, beware of this, make sure you do this. What might be some of those tips of the trade for those listening? I think it, I think timing is probably the the biggest one that I think about, um, Indiana is a biennium uh, budget cycle. Mm-hmm. So making sure that if you're making budget, if you're needing to make investments, you're able to do it during a budget or you're thinking about mm-hmm. it and planning for it so that it can be part of a budget cycle. Um, I also think that, that there are, um, I think, patience um, <laughs> is, I think, uh, you know, you, we're a senior staff of six people and, and, uh, we sit in a room and whiteboard ideas. And then, you know, two months later, it's like, why aren't we done? Um, <laughs> and it's, and it, and it's like, well, implementation is a little bit longer than the idea generation. Yeah. Um, and so I think those would probably be my two is I think timing really matters and in, in when and how you, uh, look to execute. You can have a great plan, but you may have to put it on the shelf for a while because 
the timing isn't quite right. Um, but then once you start it, be patient to make sure that you allow it to actually finish and, and, and bear the fruit that you expected it to bear. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard one, not only for you on your management team, but you go back to those stakeholders where you've set those expectations and you get them excited about it. And then they're sitting there and waiting to yeah. see, okay, exactly. we said we we're behind this, but now we want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Peter, you know, I know before this interview, we talked a little bit about talking about this topic, gave you, you know, some thoughts to think about. Was there anything else that, you know, you were thinking maybe we would talk about that we haven't had a chance to touch on? Not off the top of my head. I really, I, you know, I will go back to the fact that we're at the Region 3 conference. I look at, a, I look at the idea of sharing ideas and this podcast being a, an opportunity to share ideas. That's where I mean, we're all, what we're doing is not rocket science, but there's, <laughs> uh, there's opportunities to learn from each other and, and, and gain some ideas from each other and uh, appreciate the opportunity to share some of the things that we're doing and, and look to continue to hear what others are doing. Absolutely. That's, you know, it, the AMVA does a lot of stuff. At the end of the day, it's really about helping jurisdictions not have to reinvent the wheel 69 times across North America. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Peter, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for spending some time with us on the podcast. I want to thank our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, and thank all of you for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week on the AmbiCast. Until then, stay well, everyone. Thank you for joining us for AmbiCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.